All right. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number 5. Anybody else? I feel like doing that sometimes too. It don't bother me at all. Galatians chapter number 5. And uh, we are going to read verse 16 and then verse 22 and 23 tonight. And uh, I want to try to get get going. And um, I don't know if that's an indication of how long it may be, but just in case. All right. Uh, verse number 16. Galatians chapter number 5, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is the opposite of those lusts of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Uh, several weeks ago, I made a statement about meekness. I think maybe it was maybe uh, two, maybe three lessons ago when we were talking about goodness. And uh, I mentioned this statement that meekness is not weakness. Just because you uh, have this fruit uh, in you, that doesn't make you weak. That doesn't make you less of a... A man or less of a woman. In fact, I believe maybe we could say the opposite of that. Um, but as we look at this thought tonight of meekness, we, we're, I'm going to give you this thought, meekness, unpopular and misunderstood. Unpopular and misunderstood. Uh, there are only that I can find two characters that have the if we could call it a title of being meek or the adjective of meek uh, described or attributed to them, and that is Moses in Numbers chapter number 12, verse number 3. It says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. But I believe that um, that we can say that there was no weakness and there was no cowardice about him. He was a strong man. He was patient. And then, let's get this word right, he was pitiful. Not pitiful, oh bless his heart, but he was full of pity. And uh, you can see that throughout uh, the, the first five books of the Bible there. But then that other man was Christ in Matthew chapter number 11. Verse number 29, uh, you know that Scripture is to take my yoke upon you and learn of me. But then he says what about himself? He says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Jesus described himself as meek and lowly. And then in Matthew chapter 21, verse number 5, um, Jesus is well, Jesus has just spoken. And uh, the Scripture is being uttered here, and it's a prophecy uh, in Matthew 21, verse number 5, but he's refreshing their memory. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek. And so there's only two people in Scripture that are considered meek. We think about some of the others, and, and maybe we can uh, ourselves attribute that characteristic to them. 
Uh, but then I find it kind of humorous because there's some that there's no way that you would consider them meek. I think of Peter and how boisterous he always seemed to be. And uh, he was always the first one in the fire. Uh, but we also know that he was the first one uh, at least recorded to deny the Lord. So uh, there's just two. At some point, the term meek, though, it took on negative connotations. What I mean by this is, uh, David Smith says, In times of pride and power, men of pride and violence came to the forefront while the godly were thrust into the background. So when I say that the term meek took on negative connotations, I mean that meekness was understood as not only humble in a good sense, but lowly, poor, and needy. Uh, if you were to describe someone maybe that uh, that was out begging alms, you may describe them as being meek and lowly. You may uh, describe them uh, being poor and needy and meek. Um, but it has been said that uh, meekness is the most unpopular virtue because of a misunderstanding of the term. He went on to say this, the most untranslatable of words. Now, I told you where I stand on that translation business last week, and I'm not going to harp on that tonight. Uh, but I was talking to somebody about last week, and uh, it's that word faith. Now, if you're, if, and I hope you're not, but if you are reading a different version of the Bible and you want a King James Bible, you let me know and we'll get you one. Somebody help me right there. Uh, but uh, if if you are reading another version, most likely you're going to see at the very last word of verse number 22 is the word faithful or faithfulness. And uh, I told you where I stood on that. But in every single one of the commentaries, I uh, describe this word faith as being faithful. And uh, so I was telling them how it felt so odd to disagree with all of these learned people. And, and and I'm not, please don't think I'm bragging by any means, because I may have it all wrong. But it felt odd to kind of step into a different light that nobody else really agreed with you there. Uh, but one reason why I so um, adamantly disagreed with what most of those men said is because they made the statement very similar to this. A, a better translation would have been faithful. Or faithfulness. And so that just got under my skin. And, and I thought, well, you know, if it would have been the right, if faithful or faithfulness would have been the right word, then I believe God would have put it in this King James Bible. But He didn't. And because He didn't, I'm going to believe what it says here. Somebody say amen on a Wednesday night right there. But here, as I read about uh, this word meekness, uh, it says that it is the most untranslatable of words. There's three different definitions that William Barclay gives. It is being submissive to the will of God, being meek, being submissive to the will of God. The second is being teachable or not too proud to learn. And then the third was to being considerate of someone else. And we'll actually kind of touch on probably all three of those. But I find it interesting that this same man just a word prior, felt the liberty to retranslate something that God had already translated. But here he comes to this word meek or meekness, and he says, I can't even touch this word. So, we get into now the message this evening, 
And I want to give you just three things, and um, and I'll try to go as fast as I can. Uh, but I also want to I want to kind of kind of hunker down and give you this. Number one, what is meekness? What is meekness? And I'll I'll give you here in just a moment what it is not, and then what it is. But first, I want us to see that the word meekness in the New Testament is only found, the word meekness is only found nine times in your Bible. What I find interesting is that all nine of those are in the Apostle Paul's writings. The Apostle Paul wrote 14 books of your New Testament, and nine of them he talked about meekness. The reason I feel like that is so important, Brother Lee, is because just several years before, he essentially was cursing Christ. He was ridiculing, he was hauling men and women to jail. He was holding the coat of those that would stone Stephen. He was murderous in his nature. But now he's teaching everywhere that he goes about meekness. What are we studying tonight? Somebody tell me what we're studying. The fruit of the Spirit. It is only the Spirit that can give a man that would soon cut your head off one day and be preaching about meekness the next day. That is only God. And so we, we see that it was found nine times. All of them are in Paul's writings. It's, it's nine out of fourteen, sixty-seven point four percent, sixty-four point seven, something like that. That's, that's somebody else's business. But now we look, uh, first at, or second rather, what it is not. What meekness is not. The mere quietness of a retiring disposition. That is what it is not. Meekness is not just to stop and let everything else go around. If we are told to be meek, that doesn't mean that we can't, um, that we can't object to something. That does not mean if we're going to have this fruit of the Spirit and it is, it is represented as meekness, it is not saying that you cannot stand up for what's right. Somebody say amen right there. I feel as though the reason that we find ourselves, and I, I realize it's all in God's timing and, and, and all in God's economy. I understand that. But I believe that the reason why there's so few churches like what we have here is because that we have, we have misinterpreted, we have misunderstood meekness. And we have decided that meekness is, let's just retire and do nothing. But that is not meekness. Meekness, listen to this, it stands in contrast with the self-reliant, headstrong individual that would hurry a man to adopt novel ideas that have not been seriously weighed. It stands in opposition. It stands in contrast. Meekness will weigh in the balances a decision. There are times that we are called to make a decision and we have to act fast. Most decisions, we know that they are coming and we have a period of time. 
meekness takes advantage of that time and weighs those options, but it stands in opposition of being forced to make a decision without weighing those options. What it is not. It is not a state of low self-esteem generated generated by devaluing one's abilities. I've said it from the pulpit. I've said it in private. As far back as I can remember, I've never thought anything of myself. You can call that low self-esteem. You could call it uh, uh, devaluating. You could call it whatever you whatever you want to do. But maybe all of us are in that boat and we have a low self-esteem. That doesn't automatically make us meek. That is not the defi- that is not the biblical definition of meekness. And, and and I'll go one step further and say. That yes, your personality or your characteristics, they may be as such that devalues yourself and thinks low of yourself. But according to the scripture, you are so much more. Let's just go ahead and have a smile right now. You are so much more than what you think you are. I said you are so much more than what you think you are. Yeah, I'm not Stephen Furtick tonight, but I'm about to get down there with you and grab a microphone and get in your face. Hey, we need to understand tonight that when God saved us, God saw us as we were, but He decided that we were worth the blood of His Son and saved us anyhow. Ephesians said He's made us sit together in heavenly places. We're having dinner tonight with the Lord. So you may think that you've devalued yourself throughout your lifetime and and even tonight. But I assure you two things. You are more than what you think you are in the Lord. And that is not the definition of meekness. Next, we see what meekness is. Meekness is when the believer is submissive to the will of God and is unselfish. In the light of the needs of others. I went to a church, I went to church with a, um, an older man and he would, he would say this phrase often and uh, he would say, I'm going to prefer my brother over myself. And that's, that's biblical. That's biblical. You prefer your brother uh, over or before yourself. That's kind of the idea of meekness. Listen to this quote again. When the believer is submit, this, this is twofold. When the believer is submissive to the will of God, that's one side of William Barclay's definition. He said it is being submissive to the will of God. When God says to jump, we say, yes, sir. How high? Where do you want me to go? I got to go back to Abraham in Genesis chapter number 12. God said, go. He said, okay. And what did he say? Well, what was said about him? It was countered unto him for righteousness. <laughs> so, if we're going to be meek or have this meekness, we have to be submissive to God's will. And I know we don't like to hear this, but we got to be submissive to God's will no matter what that may be. No, I'm going to help you. No matter when that may be, and no matter where that may be. You see, the the second aspect of Barclay's definition tonight is this. He said it's meekness is being unselfish in light of the needs of others. One thing I have 
done my best to do, and I, I fail at this, is to try to find the needs of others. To be, to be looking for needs of others. I was with someone the other day and, and he, he looked at somebody's vehicle and they said, they need this. I'm like, what do you do? Just go around parking lot and you look at people's, he said, yeah, I do. He said, if I can help them, that's what I want to do. And I thought, okay. So then I started walking through the parking lot. And I started seeing things that needed to be done. That's We can brag on that if we're not careful. But that's the idea of meekness. Is that you see someone else's need and you put it, put it their need above your own. Okay? So what is meekness? Alright? Number... If... Listen, I'll email you this outline if you want it. Listen. We also see that meekness is a grace of the soul which consists in habitual submission to the dealings of God. Habitual. What, what, the root word here is habit. Sometimes we have habits. Most of the time a habit is a bad habit. Let's just be honest. Most of the time it is. But here it says that the it, it, meekness is a grace of the soul which consists in habitual submission to the dealings of God. You make it a habit to submit. How did we close our meeting last night? Out of James, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Every day we need to have a habitual submission unto God and His will. This writer went on to say that this arises from a sense of God's greatness and man's own littleness. Hence, the meek will regard all the insults and wrongs inflicted by men as permitted by God, and a part of His discipline. Meekness is... Remember the title? Is meekness unpopular and misunderstood? Being meek is not popular. The reason being is because people have that attitude that meekness is weakness, but it's not. So meekness is also seeing yourself as small compared to God, but it is also taking the oppression that is allowed by God and provided to us by men. We also see that meekness is the other side of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's on one side of the coin, if you will. There's belief unto action. On this side of the coin that we're looking at now is submission to God. Meekness is the other side of faith. It is the self-repression 
in view of the claims and needs of others. Again, that is putting someone else above you. It is the charity. You look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you see charity. People talk about love out of that particular chapter right there. It is charity. It says, it is charity which seeketh not her own, looketh not to her own things, but to the things of others. For her, charity, self is of no account in comparison with Christ and His kingdom and the honor of His brethren. What is the very first thing that we're given here in verse number 22? Love, charity, charis. Do we need to go all the way back to there? We, we can't go back ten weeks ago, nine weeks ago. We can't do that. This writer said that, that faith is on the other side of meekness. And as a result, it mirrors charity. I love that last statement. For her, for charity, self is of no account in comparison with Christ, His kingdom, and the honor of His brethren. Anybody know who Aristotle is? Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't go looking for quotes by Aristotle. All right? Never met the fellow. Probably wouldn't recognize him if I saw him. Somebody help me right there. But Aristotle defined meekness as the mean between excessive anger. This one got me. It is the mean between excessive anger and excessive angerlessness. The quality of the man who is always angry at the right time and never at the wrong time. That's meekness. You think about it. You know anybody, you know anybody that somebody would say, well they don't say much, but when they speak, you listen. That's meekness. I've never seen him mad but once. And he had every right to be. That's meekness. There is a, a median, if you will, between excessive anger and excessive angerlessness or the lack of anger. That's where meekness abides. Meekness is, and, and I gave this to some of our men this morning, Meekness is distinctively a Christian virtue. It is given to us by the what, somebody? Spirit. Who has the Spirit? Christians. Y'all been in church a long time, y'all better know these answers. It is the Spirit that dwells in the Christian. A lost man does not have the Spirit living in him. Therefore, he does not have the fruit of the Spirit. By that definition, he does not have... Meekness. It is a distinctively Christian virtue. It denotes patient endurance in which the spirit of humility refuses to let one's pride gain the upper hand. It is meekness that slides between our desires and our pride. And joins them together. Because a man will boast, will beat on his chest and say, look what I have done. 
Look what I have accomplished. But meekness, on the other hand, he will realize, meekness will realize that it came by the hand of God. Not by ours. Brother Fred Russell, he wrote this. I think he got it from Warren Wearsby. I don't know where Warren Wearsby got it. But he said that this meekness is the right use of power or power under control. Power under control. He went on, he gave a little quote here. It says, It has been said that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. There's some folks, even Christians, that have power, but they're not demonstrating it in the way that they should. What did he say? It is the right use of power. Number two, how is meekness exhibited? I'm going to give you these. Try to go in a hurry. I I realize I said that 20 minutes ago. How is meekness exhibited? Number one, in response to God's dealings, it is exhibited in lowliness. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 1, 2, and 3. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are to walk Worthy of the vocation with what? Lowliness and meekness. In response to God's dealings, meekness is exhibited in lowliness. It's also exhibited by listening in James chapter number two, uh, chapter one, verse number 19 through 21. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity and naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. We are to receive, we are to listen with meekness to the engrafted word. That is, you could go back to Acts chapter number 1. And you could see why this word is, or not Acts chapter 1, uh, John chapter number 1, Acts chapter number 2. You could see why this word is considered in James an engrafted word. We were not part of, of the, I, I want to be very careful here, I want to be very careful. We were not part of that, that, uh, that Jewish line, okay? But we were grafted in by the blood of Christ. We got on a roll last night. We were talking about faith again. I tell you what, faith. I told you Sunday night that somebody's going to need faith. Monday morning, woo, I needed faith. Come on. I don't know if the rest of y'all did, but honey, at my house I did. We got talking about faith last night. We went backwards. Now faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You, you go all the way back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. Then you find, I can't remember the verse, y'all can help me, maybe chapter number 2, where he says, let us make man in our image. God was there, the Son was there, the Holy Ghost was there, and little by little we find that it's come full circle, that faith comes by the Word of God. It is given to us by the Holy Spirit in our text. So all three of them are right there together. By listening. Then we also see how how is meekness exhibited in response to others' dealings. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 2 in just a moment and then Galatians chapter 6. But it is a calmness under provocation. Holding all the affections and passions in even balance. I've said this. Matter of fact, you know, Brother Jim, I think he can take me. Alright? If we got in a scrap, I'm going down. Y'all go ahead and call 911. Okay, when he raises that fist, just, I'm just, I'm gonna tap out myself. I, look, I can see it coming. I'm not, he flicked me on my ear twice a couple Sundays ago and I said, Jim, I've killed five people for doing that. I'm talking about, and, and if y'all start doing it, I'm churching y'all's tail, I'm telling you. But he come up and he thumped me in the back. I'm talking about red-headed all through and through. I mean, I was mad. And then I saw it was Jim. I'm like, hey, how are you doing? If it had been you, Nick, I might would have tried to whoop you, but you're too wiry. But I mean, all of that came back. It wasn't meekness. Years, years ago, Still lived in Florida. I was sitting there and I was talking to a co-worker. And somebody came up. He had been causing problems. He came up and, and wide open hand, he hit me in the back of the head. Woo, you talking about if I wasn't saved. If I was not saved. I mean, it flushed over me in such a way. And we've all got those stories. I've said if I ever get mad enough to cry, somebody needs to run. Don't care who it is, but somebody needs to go. Because it's on. But meekness is demonstrated or exhibited in response to others as a calmness under provocation. What about that? See, preacher falls too. We all, we all struggle with this. It is unpopular. And it is misunderstood, this idea of meekness. Meekness keeps our passions and our affections in an even balance. It distinctly contemplates a condition of things which are contrary to the Christian life. It contemplates the things that are outside the scope of God's Word and the church. And it points to a submissiveness of the Spirit, which does not lift itself up against opposition, but bends like a reed before them. Now, I need you to listen to me. I said standing right here that meekness is not weakness. Right here. At the very beginning of this thing, I said that meekness is not 
stopping or giving up or retiring and allow the world to go on. So we think about this, what I just said, that meekness points to a submissiveness of the spirit, which does not lift itself up against opposition, but bends like a reed before the storm. Seemingly two opposite statements there, but listen. Paul preached meekness and practiced it. But he could flash into strong opposition. And with a resonant ring in his voice, he could say, as Galatians 2, 5 says, To whom we gave place by subjection? No, not for an hour. He said we did not submit to them, not even for an hour Because they were wrong. You see, meekness, it may allow us to bend and sway and to to consider. But, Ashton, when necessary, meekness that comes from the Spirit allows us to spring to life, to spring to action. Even if that action is a reaction. In response to others... We see that it also is exhibited in vulnerability. You look with me in chapter 6, verse number 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. This allows us to see our own vulnerability. When, when, when first of all we look at this, we cannot just say, okay, he says, brethren, that's all of us. No. He, he is talking to all of us. Then he points out a brother that's been overtaken in a fault, but then he puts a point on it. He says, you boys that are spiritual, he says, you need to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. There's that vulnerability there in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Meekness will allow you to consider your own instances where you may fail before you judge someone else. We also see Next, under this, in the, how, how is it exhibited? In the course of life, it is, it behaves with the highest courage and activity and is a qualification for public leadership. If you're going to be a leader, whether it's a businessman or whether it's a pastor, whether it's a preacher, whether it's a daddy, whether you're, uh, uh, whether you're out some, maybe your job has you in, in some, uh, uh, place of leadership. You must have meekness that comes from God. Cause you, you mark it down. You're going to need it. You're going to need it out there. You're going to have to control those affections so that you don't act or react in a negative way. Number three and last tonight, how is meekness developed? We see first by proper recognition. Just got a couple things written down here. How much do I need it? How much do I need meekness? My hand before God, every single one. I thought I was pretty good. 
But every single one of these has convicted my ever-loving soul. And I need meekness now than, I, than I've ever needed it before. So, how is meekness developed? Developed by proper recognition. How much do I need it? Who am I really? Am I, am I really that important? Now, I'm not saying go back to where you're defacing your own body and, and, you're, and you're demeaning yourself. That's not what I'm saying. But you really have to kind of put yourself in, in position, okay? Who am I? I, I don't, I don't measure up to God. I have not arrived yet. So, in realizing your own self-importance, you realize that or recognize that you need meekness. Then you ask yourself the question, what has God made me, child of God, joint heir with Christ? But what has God done for me? Brother Kurt and I had to, had to, uh, explain something in our, in our courses this week about explain how grace has, uh, affected your life. And my goodness, I, I mean, you think about, alright, is this the wrong answer? Do they want, a little bitty answer? Do they want a long answer? So I just started typing and just kind of let it go. And if, if they mark it wrong and then if they want an essay, maybe ask it again. I don't know. But what has God done for you? As we answer that question, as we think about that question, we still have to recognize that there's need for meekness. We also see that it is a created desire. William Barclay said that it requires exceptional faith and courage to have meekness. It's interesting that he would say that because you do have faith and you do have courage as part of the fruit of the Spirit. This desire to have meekness comes by exposure to God's Word. You start reading the Word of God, it will begin to draw out things in you. It will begin to cleanse you. And you will see many spiritual needs that you have that you didn't formally think that you did. And then last, how is meekness developed? By clear application. As in most things, meekness is a choice. You have a choice to, to love. You have a choice to have joy. You could go around, you can mope, you can mully grub all day long, or you can have joy and peace that comes from God. You can have meekness. You can fight what has been freely given to you by the Spirit of God if you want. How do you fight that meekness? Be rambunctious spiritually. Be boisterous. Fly off the handle just like that. Jump into things that you know nothing about. Say things that you should never have said. The Holy Ghost, in verse number 22, the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost has given to us the meekness that we need. What you and I have to do is use it. Just like every other one of these. So, it's, it's highly likely that there's no other fruit in this list of nine, nine words here. There's probably no other fruit that goes more against the old nature. 
Last night we were talking about warfare, good warfare, good soldier, soldier of Christ, fighting a good fight. And in that, sometimes, sometimes we want to be fighters. We want to put our foot down. We want to let everybody know this is where I stand, bless God. There may come a time for that. But if God calls for meekness, you can fight against it. Or you can allow God to work that meekness in you. It's going to go against the old nature. Remember what was said. Meekness in its simplest definition is power under control. It is the quality of the man who is always angry at the right time and never at the wrong time. That's meekness. Let's 